0: heads i'm your host justin Crosley, and i'm nick ziegler and we are the hop and brew school podcast trying to give you all the best information about hops joining us today once again is alex rumbles from yakima chief welcome to the studio colloquially colloquially i'm like nick now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Known as Corporate Alex uh, <laughs> yes. Here to help us out today. Varietal code, Joy. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alright, our show is designed To connect the world's finest brewers And home brewers with more knowledge About hops so that we can all drink better beer Yes, that's please. We uh, <laughs> yeah, we found that there just was, uh, you know what, a little gap in hop knowledge nowadays because so many discoveries have happened in recent years, and we wanted to bring it all to you. So the Brewing Network has teamed up with the Yakima Chief Hops to do just that. We're going to bring in uh, brewing professionals, hop chemists, growers, farmers, uh, uh, everything. Drinkers. Drinkers, that's right, uh, just to get more hop information out to you. Today's episode is on hop product format. Um, the different uh, formats that your hops can be delivered to you in, uh, that they're produced in. Um, we're going to cover each and every one of those. Uh, do I have that right, Nick? Uh, you certainly do. just want to uh, make sure I'm in the right place at the s- right time. Same bad time, same bad channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So why don't we explain right off the bat what we mean by, by hop product format?
1: Okay. So, um, you know, as the hops are on the binds we take them down and we either dry them, um, and then we can process those dried hops into into different forms, and I'll get into that in a second. Mm-hmm. Or you can even get them as fresh hops. Now we uh, we don't like to let fresh hops go anywhere that are going to be longer than thirty six hours from the field. Um, because they'll go bad basically as soon as they come off that vine, they start to degrade a little bit. Okay. Um, and so you got to get them and you got to get them fast. Um, and it, what that means is there has to be really good timing with uh, the harvest windows. And so if if you're a pro brewer, or if you're, you're you're buying at the uh, the level required, um, I'm not sure what that is, but um, sales would be able to tell you. Uh-huh. Uh, is um, uh, you'd really have to contact your hop supplier. Um, as, you know, as early as possible, really saying, you know, you're going to plan your beer and uh, those those hops are going to go to arrive on the, the appropriate day for you to use them. Um, and so uh, that's just something to be taking, you know, take into consideration.
0: I haven't had a, a fresh hop or a wet hop beer in
1: in years. Well, you should probably come out to our fresh hop ale festival. It sounds good. It's a it is a. Uh, Insanity. Um, it's pretty good. Um, Sounds like my kind of party. Um, already. It's, uh, it's it's big, and um, there's a ton of fresh hot beers. Um, and uh, I think all the proceeds go to uh, art, uh, at arts and science education in Yakima, right?
0: That's true. And it's growing so rapidly. We, I believe, had five to seven thousand people in our in one square block. Really? Um, yeah, just a couple weeks ago. So it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. the The process reminds me. Years ago, I was in Ontario, Canada. And I was introduced to ice wine. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? Oh yeah. I'm going to screw up this process, but I'll get it as close as I can remember. And the the harvest window for that, first of all, it it varied because they had to wait for like the first freeze, and then the exact temperature of that freeze. Mm-hmm. And then at that moment, which usually occurred in the middle of the night, as I understood, mm-hmm. you ha- that's when the harvest began. Mm-hmm. And they had to, I think, complete the harvest of these grapes. Uh, and it wasn't the whole field, of course. They it just whatever. They were going to make had to be it all had to take place that night during a certain window and process so that a couple of wineries could make this very unique ice wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an even more difficult window, I think, than the, than the fresh hops you have.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is which is nice. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, you know, Somebody has it harder than hop hop, hop growers. Um, right. But the uh, yeah. So it's um, you know, these these aren't frozen, um, but that is one of the ways you can use them. Okay. Um, and we'll get into that later. All right. Um, but anyway, so from fresh hops, um, the the next step is would be, would be dried whole cones or whole leaf hops. And so those are the ones I I described the drying process earlier, um, but they're dried... Dried in our kilns and then, uh, or in our growers' kilns, and then they're baled into bales, and uh, they come in. Those big bales are 200, 200 pounds, um, and you can get quarter bales too, which are a little bit smaller. Um, but they're just basically the dried and compressed whole leaf hops. Um, and, and
0: years ago, this would have been what what brewers around the world used, right? Correct,
1: um, and there that was the standard format that was used. Um, but the the issue is is that you know the hops aren't really broken up. So you don't get access to all the juicy bits. Um, and there's a lot of vegetative matter there. So it, it, for long contact times, you can actually, uh, there's, there's two things that happen. You can, uh, you, you can lose, lose a lot of volume um, because they, they act like a sponge. And then also you can actually end up with uh, excessive unwanted um, sort of grassy and uh, vegetal character from, from the, the, the high amount of leaf matter. I see. And what was developed to get around that was called a type 90 pellet. Okay, um, and a type 90 pellet is—it's um, it, basically supposed to have about 90 percent of the vegetable matter um, that the hop cone would have
0: so ni- it keeps 90% of it yes okay
1: and so it's a little bit more concentrated okay um, and as times time has gone on there's been different forms of pellets you can also get a, a more concentrated version of one called like a, a t45 okay um, but those are actually built or so the pellets so t90 pellets have all of the the character of the leaf hop just to, they're ground up and then they're they're pelletized um, and uh, so they have pretty much all the character okay minus a little bit more vegetal material uh, t45s are actually made to be a standardized alpha pellet it. And that's to, to be able to, to have a, a standard alpha level that brewers can can use, and they're they're, they're blended back together. So they blend they separate out the, the material and they blend it back together. Okay, uh, and it's really they're really just made for bittering.
0: Whereas the T ninety is sort of an all around because it, yep. it, it tries to include as much of the whole hop as possible.
1: Yeah. So I would say I that you know whole leaf will give you the whole hop character. T ninety will give you all of the desirable hop character, okay. while still having some some of that vegetal uh, matter there. Um, we also have two other forms of pellets. Um, there's our uh, cryo hops, okay. um, and that is um, the fractionated hop cone. And so we take that and split it apart um, under uh, in very, very cold conditions and have a lupulin-enriched fraction. And that's the that's pelletized, at, again, at a very, very low temperature. Um, and they're these soft little pellets, and it's just supercharged um Oil and alpha. And, I see. And we designed that to basically be used for dry hopping and to basically pack the biggest punch we could. Okay. Um, so so
0: it, it, is it safe to say that that has even less of the leafy matter and you're just really focusing on that core?
1: Yes. Okay. Um, so it's, it's got a lot less of, of the leaf matter. Okay. Um, and the flip side of that is that we also end up concentrating the bract, so that the leaf matter... And, um, uh, you know, initially when we, we designed this process, that was actually a, a co-product. Um, and we were, you know, there, there wasn't, we didn't, we, we were so focused on dry hopping as craft beer geeks that we weren't super focused on, on this, other, this other product. Um, so essentially what you took out of the cryo hops. Correct. Okay. Um, but then, um, you know, some brewers expressed interest in it. And saying, "Hey, you know that, that smells pretty cool. I want to I want to see what that is." Okay, uh, and we're like, oh, "All right, let's take a look at it." And so sure. we did some analysis and did some trials and found out that holy shit, it has brewing value. Okay, and um, it's this really cool. Um, it has this really cool character to it, and I'm going to get into that in a little bit more detail. Um, but uh, those are also pelletized uh, in the same line under under nitrogen, and they're pelletized. Uh, uh, they're going to be a little bit harder pellets than the cryo um, because there's not as much oil, obviously, in them. Um, uh, but those are pelletized in the same lines under under nitrogen and and bagged immediately. Okay. Um, and they're, 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 these two products are designed to do different things, and we'll get into that a little bit later.
0: So, what are the other? What's the other the co product called?
1: American Noble Hop. I see. Okay. Yeah, okay so cryo
0: hops and then American noble hops, yep. uh, which are created during the process of making cryo hops.
1: Yep. Okay. Got it. And so the, uh, th- those are, our, those are our pellet formats and those are the pellet formats that you can, you can get. Um, then you also have CO2 hop extract. And so one of the things you can do with um, pelletized hops is you run them through these giant supercritical CO2 extractors. Um, that's basically running at high pressures. Uh, and so that's a, uh, the CO2 is at a supercritical phase. You guys can look up some of the engineering behind that. It's really cool. But it's easy to get in the weeds on that one. Um, and what that what this process does, it ends up extracting um, the, uh, the resins, like the alpha acids and betas and all that stuff, and the oils of the hop. Okay, um, and leaving all the vegetable matter behind. Um, and what this stuff is is basically concentrated. Um, it's just this concentrated molasses level thickness uh, resin that it provides bittering. Um, and uh, if we do single varietals and stuff, and uh, it'll also contribute some varietal characteristics. Okay, um, but that's something you would have to use hot side. So uh,
0: I've always heard of, of. I've actually never seen them myself, but I've always heard of hop extracts. And so the CO2 hop extract is that.
1: Yes, okay. um, and it is um, very similar to the process they use for the cousin to make shatter. And uh, I was
0: warning about that. I had a friend try to do that in my backyard once. It that's was a disaster.
1: Dangerous. It,
0: it, I think I had. To, I, I didn't know anything about it until I saw what he was doing, and I was like, "That looks dangerous. You need to do that somewhere else."
1: Yeah, the, I mean, we're dealing with extremely high pressures. Okay, so eight hundred to eleven hundred psi. But uh, it's okay. So
0: cannabis being in the same family as hops, um, they're really doing the same thing. They're pulling out these extra. Extracts, mm-hmm. okay. Concentrated uh, forms of the compounds we like, anyway.
1: Yes, All right. um, and the, the thing you know, now, the cannabis extraction is different because they don't have alpha acids, so um, the process is different. Okay, um, but our CO2 hop extracts are uh, they they you know they can come in a different formats like you know tins and big buckets if you're a giant brewery, but they're super super concentrated, okay. um, and they're basically going to provide your bittering, um, and they don't have any vegetable matter, so you don't. You get better utilization uh, of the uh, and isomerization of the alpha acids, um, and they don't suck up any any wort, so no, you get no better yield, okay. no lost volume. Yeah. Also, they're incredibly stable, so they last a really long time. And because they're so concentrated, you don't need as much of them, so they're great for shipping and storage as well. Okay, and uh, did you say that they're only used in bittering? Um, you can use them in the whirlpool, actually. Okay. Um, so, uh, a, a well-known uh, beer—it's one of my favorites—founder's uh, all-day IPA actually uses uh, extracts in, in their, In the, I believe, in the whirlpool I like to that contribute. Beer. I love that beer; it's mm-hmm. so good mm-hmm. um, to contribute some uh, some flavor from, okay. from, from the extract because the oils are still in there. Okay, are now, these available to homebrewers too? um yes yeah. um you can uh, so a lot of um, home brew stores and suppliers will actually sell you something called like a hop shot which is basically a syringe that they've ex- they've stuck into a tin of extract and filled it up to a certain level and then you can buy like 30 mil- 30 grams or 100 grams or whatever it is okay um and uh you know as as, as if you're a smaller brewer, you can do the same thing you can just buy a tin of it and then you know Suck it up yourself, and then squirt it into your into your boil. Got it. Or your whirlpool. Um, you, those so CO two hop extracts will not dissolve in cold liquid. They have to be they have to be hot, and and okay. they also won't be they won't be isomerized. Um, so you have to you have to isomerize them at the right temperature, um, which is you know above seventy two C, and you know and then you get the isomerization you need. Okay. Um. And uh, the I'm gonna have to check that temperature. I might have gotten that one wrong, but um the from the hop extracts you can also make some advanced products and those are a little bit more complicated but basically they are um cold side doses dosable extracts to adjust bittering up um and some of those things are uh some of the products are also light stable which means they won't they, they've undergone a, a catalytic or chemical catal- catalyzed change that won't um basically create that skunky flavor all right so you can make you can p- put beer in clear bottles um and or your your beer, your beer just won't skunk if you're going to the sun with it. Got it. Um, and so uh, so there's
0: no way I could use uh, whole leaf hops, and then a clear bottle and not have uh, you, you know the potential for it to be light struck. But with some of these advanced extracts, I can. Yes. Okay.
1: Um, and so hetra or sorry hexa tetra and roe are the light stable. Uh, Extracts. Um, So ISO is just the isomerized alpha acids. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Rho is the lower bittering, I believe, of the the three. Um, And then hex and tetra are also light stable, um, but they actually increase foam as well. I mentioned this, on, I think on the uh, first episode. Yeah. Is that these compounds can actually create really, really stable or contribute to really, really stable foam and really good lacing. Um, and so you get these really beautiful, they're, they're fantastic for pilsners um, because you get these really big puffy heads on them and they're, they're delicious. Got it. And so one of the things you can do is actually after um, clarification, so filtration or centrifugation if you're a pro brewer or uh, settling if you're, if you're a home brewer or like tasty if you're, if you're, if you're filtering your beer. Yeah. Um, you can dose these in after that to adjust the level of bittering up. Okay. Um so if you're not happy with it, you can just,
0: just give it a little a,
1: shot. Give it a little shot. Okay. And they're very concentrated. Um so they're very effective. Um and finally, the last thing is really um blends. And this is uh, blends and these these come in pellet form. Okay. And you take uh, multiple hops together to blend them together to create um, you know, a sort of a, a different experience. So some of our uh, you know, sort of expression approaches would be uh like Zythos is a uh, is a real citrusy one. Um, we also have uh, some blends of uh, American noble hops uh, and uh, other leaf matter to target specific oil profiles to create um, a product that is a alternative to you know traditional European noble varieties. I see. Um, and so we've got I think we've got two we've got uh, Independence Blend and Pacific Crest, um, and they're really it's, it's really fun from a technical perspective because we have to you know look at all these different options uh, for. The oil profiles that we have and blend them together to create these these cool things. And so, um, you know, this is something that, of course, brewers could do on on their their production side. Yeah, we talked about this in the last
0: episode where we were discussing selecting hops mm-hmm. and uh, and blending hops. Obviously, is, is it was very common. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a case where you've kind of done the blending for us. Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: and um, and it's you know we appreciate that a lot of people like to to do their own blending. Sure, um, but uh, you know. It, we can also sort of you know apply a little bit more chemistry to it than most breweries can um and so we can create some really cool cool sort of expressions throughout throughout the process
0: do you ever get uh requests from brewers to hey i really love these can you just make a blend for me
1: um certainly yeah and in fact you know if, if someone's buying uh you know just an you know, I mean, like four hundred and fourteen thousand pounds of a single variety. You know, we have to blend a bunch of different lots together because there's no single lot that that's large. I see that is that large. sorry. Okay. Um, but then, you know, for most brewers, don't want us to blend uh, different varieties together. But uh, you know, we ha- I have had some requests for that, and wow. that's you know, that's a production planning decision, not mine. I see. Um, but uh, some of the other things we do with these is the uh, cause-based blends, and this is something that we're really proud of: is that we work with nonprofit organizations to create uh, blends, and where a share of the profit goes to um, goes to these these causes. So nice. you know, we got one coming soon. Um, it's the Pink Boots Blend, and this is uh, you know for women brewers everywhere, yeah. the women Pink Boots Society, um, and they came down and selected um, some hops to, to combine into a blend. Um, and um, so I think last year we the, the blend uh, was went out and uh, was brewed and uh, we also encouraged people to uh, or you know a lot of i think pink boots society did this, but uh, to encourage people to uh, you know, for every pint sold, they also contributed a dollar. Wow! Um, but just from the from the sales of the hops, we got nearly forty thousand bucks wow. to the Pink Boot Society. And That's it That goes cool. to uh, to Pink Boot scholarships, right? Um, which is is really cool. I mean, the, the organization is to sort of represent women in the brewing industry, which you know I think is awesome. Yeah. You can just
0: search Pink Boots Society and you can get more information. Also, if you go to the dot and do a search there, uh, I think it was a couple years ago now we did a Pink Boots Society interview on one of our shows. But just punch that in our search field and you can learn more about them. That's a cool cause that you guys do.
1: Yeah, and so it's, uh, we're pretty happy about this one. Um, I think this is so what's yeah. the blend this year? Is it uh, Mosaic, Glacier?
0: Yep, uh, Simcoe, um, Sabro. Okay. Um, which is HBC four thirty eight. It's one of their newest ones, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's a terif- and Laurel and Laurel Laurel also a terrific uh, brand. But um, this is our second annual um, Pink Boots Society um, uh, blend, and we are taking orders in anticipation for people to brew on International Women's Day. Beautiful,
1: cool. Uh, Sabro is, is actually remember uh, sort of last episode I was talking about lifter hops. This is one where it's, it's really com- complex. It's a Neo-Mexicanus blend. It's really cool. It's got a great backstory.
0: <laughs> Neo-Mexicanus? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah. Sorry, okay. I'm speeding up again. Yeah. Neo-Me- Neo-Mexicanus. So it's got um, coconut character. It's got lime character. It's got tropical fruit notes. Nice. It basically smells like being on a beach in Mexico. I love that. It's uh, very Pina colada It's but it's uh, you know used at lower levels. It can really amp up the hot bill or something. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so those are our formats. Those are our formats.
0: Okay. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, uh, a very quick one. Uh, Go get ourselves a beer. This show is uh, produced and recorded at the Brewing Network studio, which lives inside the Hop Grenade Tap Room, which is in Concord, California. That's why you might hear some people having fun in the background from time to time when we're recording. But you can always come and watch us record. We'll put a schedule on our uh, homepage at thebrewingnetwork.com, and you can come uh, drink beer with us, too, which is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to go take a quick beer break, and when we come back, we're going to break down each and every one of these formats so that you can decide uh, which one works best for you uh, or which multiple of them work for you. So hang in there. It's Hop and Brew School, and we'll be right
2: back. Welcome back
0: to Hop and Brew School. Once again, I'm your host, Justin Crosley. And with me today... Nick Ziegler. That's right, from Yakima Chief Hops. And uh, today we are talking about hop product formats uh, to learn about each different one and and what might be uh, best in your beer. Corporate Alex had to leave Uh, which means we get to just go crazy now. Excellent. Uh, uh, Now, by the way, Corporate Alex is not because he's from some large corporation. That's just my uh, friendly pet name for him. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, it, it fits. He's 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 very policy oriented and very branding oriented. Like, you no, know, we have to use this name.
0: I know, uh, I like him fun. so much, though. It's fun. So, first of all, we're not all that used to that here at, at the Brewing Network. But uh, hey, dude, I'm not either. I'm a brewer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but he's a great guy and uh, and a good sense of humor. So, just so you know, it's not because he's some from. He's not some large corporate giant. Uh, I just like his little corporate voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is gonna be a running joke. I can tell already. Uh, I know.
0: I can see him back at work now. They're like like, oh, hey, Corporate Alex. Oh, that will be brilliant. That's actually my favorite thing about giving people nicknames, is that when they go back to their everyday life, the amount of people that listen to our programs always surprised me. So they'll be at the grocery store, and they'll be like, hey, what's up, Corporate Alex?
1: (laughs) Oh, dude, I've got a great one for you on that. Um, so this guy I used to work with the Brewdog is John Allen uh-huh. and like uh, during uh, one of our, the early, his early days, uh, they were going on a, uh, a tour of the Brewdog pubs and, uh, uh, my, my Jordy mate, Steve, um, who is, th- I mean, these two guys are hilarious. J- uh, John is uh, very Irish okay. and can s- spin a story like nobody. And Steve is very Geordie and can also st- spin a story like nobody. And, uh, he's got this, uh, this great novel or, or accent from Newcastle. Okay. Um, and so they're out uh they're at this bar and uh you know steve's hanging up by the door smoking a cigarette as he is wont to do um uh, and uh this guy comes in and, you know, Steve's trying to be polite and he's wearing his BrewDog shirt. He's like, oh, hey, mate, how you doing? And he's like, oh, is John Allen here. And Steve, not missing a beat, goes, oh, the famous John Allen. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. um, so he's like, yeah, yeah, the famous John Allen. He's like, oh, he's right over there. That one. And uh, so this just became a running gag. Yeah. And it got to the point where we did a collabs with Lagunitas. We did collabs with Stone. And so we made it a point to try to get as many breweries around the world to refer to John as the famous John Allen. Yes. Um, um, unfortunately, this backfired horribly because <laughs> now he is the famous John Allen, <laughs> and it's like no, no, damn it! This is... never just... wanted to be real. No, exactly. He just yeah. he owned it, and uh, we had the uh, John John Allen Wall um, up at uh, uh, I believe it was up at Stone. They put a bunch of pictures of him in, in weird positions and doing silly shit, um, and then um, we had the John Allen Wall, John Allen Wall, which was the picture of that, and a bunch more pictures on in the controller of dog for years. Um, it was uh it was wonderful, but also short lived Nicknames are my
0: favorite. We had a dentist on our show if you, if you listen to any of the other shows in the brewing network docs' his name and uh get a little he he got a little crazy on the shows uh so funny, so he went and sat in on a parent teacher conference once. <laughs> I think I remember the story, and the teacher was like. Wait, are you Doc? <laughs> and that was the that was the moment we realized people actually listened to our show. So I'm not going to say it made us more careful about what we say, uh, but it was a lot of fun for me to realize that uh, what we say could impact people's lives outside <laughs> of the studio. So be careful, Nick. Uh, this oh, show might change God. your life. Uh, all right. Well, today we are focused on the different hot product formats. and in, in the first segment, we went through uh, what uh, those different formats are. And now we're going to break them down a little bit. So... Um, um, I, I want to go back to fresh hops. And yeah. even though this might be a, a brief description, every, uh, fr- sorry, whole leaf hops is actually what I want to go back to.
1: You don't want to touch on uh, fresh hops? Uh,
0: well, we, and we can do that, too. It, that's the format that they would come in, right? Well, as, yeah, as, as so, so, yeah,
1: fresh hops are, are whole leaf. Would so also
0: be whole leaf, yeah. yeah. Um, and again, this was the format you know traditionally used in brewing because th- there there wasn't the technologies that uh, you've come up with nowadays uh, to do pellets or extracts and things.
1: Right, um, um, but fresh hops, so so, so hops were... We're almost always traditionally used dry. Okay. Um, so whole hops, but not, yeah. No, not fresh hops. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Uh,
0: Now, there are still breweries today that do this. Uh, Sierra Nevada comes to mind as one of the largest craft brewers who still uses whole hops. Uh, And uh, there are others. There are are tons of breweries that that still use whole hops. Uh, I think many have moved to pellets, like you said. Um, uh, What would be the advantage or what are the the traits that a a brewery might pick uh, whole hops to, to get?
1: Um. Really, whole hops are. I mean, from an efficiency standpoint, and uh, personally, from a flavor standpoint, I'm, I'm not not a huge fan of them. Um, but uh, there are times in which they're really appropriate. Um, so uh, whole hops, because of the way they're baled and stuff, they they, they just simply they're they're not going to store it exactly as well as t90s or something else because those are in a smaller bag and they're nitrogen flushed and you can't really do that with a 200 bale or 200 pound bale of hops. Okay. Um, but they actually, they, I mean, we make sure they store they store okay and they're kept in our warehouses really. Really cold. It's just the size of it. It's just the size of it. Yeah. You know, like you can't really vacuum pack a giant bale. I mean, you can, but it's 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 challenging to deal with, shall we say? Okay. Um, and you have to break up these bales uh, to get them into the into the beer, um, and so they're they're quite labor intensive. Okay. Um, but that said, um, one thing that is nice about whole hops is that they can create a filter bed. So if you're going to use a hot back or something or you're going to so either like a, a large-scale industrial hop back like a whole a whole ve- whole lot vessel size mm-hmm. um, You can actually use a, a, a screen bottom and you can just basically put their hops in there and then the the wort will just run through that um, And it'll pick up some some hop leaf character okay. um, And you know depending on the contact time that can be more or less and that can provide some more vegetal character more grassy character or less um, and so if you're if you're doing like a traditional like uh, the Blickman hop rocket or um, uh, you know, traditional inline hop, uh, hop back for, for homebrewers where you're, um, Basically, running your hot wort out of your kettle through this, and then immediately chilling it, you're mm-hmm. going to get a lot of that flavor into your 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 wort. So so it's like it's like a super late hop addition. So in this case, you might
0: use two formats of hops. You could use pe- uh, pellets in the kettle, absolutely, and whole leaf in your hop back.
1: Yep, and that's um, you know so now I was talking about some of those beers early on uh, earlier on the show um, or last show. Sorry, um, that's what uh, that's what I used to do. Is that uh, and the other nice thing is that the the whole hops in the hop back actually act as a, a filter for any um, whirlpool hops like your t90s or your pellet hops that get through and might otherwise bung up your heat exchanger or something like that so okay
0: all right it's a two for one okay and then, sometime in the recent past, I don't know if you know exactly when, but at some point in the recent past, uh, somebody came up with pelletizing hops, mm-hmm. um, and I imagine it was to solve some of the very things we're talking about—volume issues, uh, you know, losing uh, wort uh, mm-hmm. to these things, and and just uh, shipping, storing uh, a number of things. I imagine this was the impetus for coming up with a new technology for hops.
1: Yeah, um, I think primarily. It, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure of this, but it certainly has. It certainly improves extraction. It's because you've got a uh, much higher surface area because you've you've ground up the pellets, okay. um, and those are produced. Um, so we you take the uh, the whole cones and then the uh, the bales and they get broken up um, and uh, through a bale breaker, uh, which is also coincidentally the name of an excellent brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those those hops get uh, get transported to a, uh, a hammer mill. Um, where which is cooled, um, and they get milled and broken up into, into small particles, and then those particles make their way over to a um, a pellet die, which compresses them into pellets of various shapes and sizes. Okay, um, you can adjust those, um, and then they get you know packaged in bags in, in nitrogen flush bar- nitrogen barrier bags. Um, and <laughs> what those do is uh, what that means is those pellets will break up. Uh, When they hit the liquid Um, Now pellets take a little time Traditional T90 pellets take a little bit of time To to break up uh, depending on the density At which they're compressed um, so, uh, for example, uh, pellets are, 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 fantastic in, uh, in the boil and the whirlpool for, for hot side. Um, they actually, the, the particulate actually, uh, provides some foam, uh, like some boil over protection. Okay. Uh, now <laughs> or the opposite, I've thrown pellets in and, and had it, <laughs> right. And so, okay. so you have to add, um, a small amount of hops. Really early on in the process, like just as you're coming to the boil, like your bittering addition, basically. Uh-huh. Um, so before it gets to a real crazy, uh, crazy nucleation points, like crazy, crazy boiling, you got to add them then. I see, um, and then that will create uh, that will that will damp- tamp down any foam. I see, um, but there is always the risk, and this is something that um, many brewers have experienced. Um, very dangerous incidents uh, with this is um, if you add a a large charge of of pellets too quickly you can get uh, an eruption in the kettle and uh, because it creates nucleation points and uh, um, gas that's dissolved in in the liquid will just start boiling out. Um, And uh, it's, uh, or not gas necessarily but um, the the gas that that would evaporate normally will um, basically have a lot more surface area to evaporate from and therefore just bubble out. And you can get, I mean I'm, people have been very, very badly hurt by this. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I've, Like I
0: said, I've had it happen for sure. On the homebrew scale, I was able to you know, get out of the way and not be hurt. My biggest disappointment when it would happen to me is that I felt like I just lost all the hops I put in the beer.
1: That is a large disappointment. It yeah. is significantly less of a disappointment than having third-degree burns over a large portion of your body. Good point. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, for homebrewing side, what, what, what I usually used to do was have a little spray bottle with water. And just as soon as you start see it, seeing the the foam start, just spritz it. Right. Um, in, uh, in in big breweries, they'll have automated spray dosers for for a boilover sensor, um, or um, a hose. In a, or in slightly more manual breweries, a hose. Yeah. Uh, and that gen- <laughs> and that works generally fine. Okay. Um, but you can use uh, T90s in pretty much every stage of the brewing process. Okay. So um, the one thing is is that there aren't great ways for uh, filtering them out. Um, so because they there's such a fine particulate that, uh, they'll blind a lot of filters pretty quickly. I see. So you, um, you have to have a whirlpool really to, to effectively use them. And then, um, you can then from that point, you just, you know, take off at different levels of the word as the, as the, the cone is settling
0: and, yeah. it, and the word clarifies, and the word
1: clarifies exactly. Okay. Um, but you can also use T90s to dry hop just like, I mean, I'm sure most people do. This is by far, um, the largest format for hops. Um, and, um, you know the, the nice thing is that you do get a very very holistic expression of the hop character um, but sometimes that can yield a situation where you're getting too much grassy vegetal notes so um, especially in dry hopping mm-hmm. um, uh, it's always going to be an intersection of time temperature quantity and uh, you know basically surface area or contact time mm-hmm. uh, with a liquid um, and so uh, when you dump Pellets in. You know, first of all, speaking of eruptions, you got to be real careful uh, not to. You, you got to be real careful to degas the tank first, because if you dump them in, then uh, you know uh, I've got a video I can put up of a, of a, a tank erupting and foaming everywhere. Okay. Um, because the same thing happens. But if there's CO two dissolved in solution uh, in your beer, so like, like like there would be after fermentation, mm-hmm. you are going to have a bad time.
0: <laughs> got it. So on the dry hopping side, of course, is what I'm we're talking. Yeah. So even then, degas the tank before. I, then I would guess you're still slowly dumping the pellets in. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. But then, um, so so once they're in there, those pellets are going to uh, start to swell and absorb liquid and break apart. So you're always gonna, whenever you're dry hopping, you're always gonna lose some liquid to 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 the to the spongy effect of the hops. Okay. Um, and it takes. Um, you know, depending on the density of the pellet, uh, so regular T nineties typically take about an hour and a half to fully for for a large tank, like for a large hop charge, uh, typically take about an hour and a half to to swell up to the point where they're going to be you know fully absorbed full of liquid and and, and nice and, and nice and wet.
0: Okay. Um, and another issue here that always comes up in in home brewing and, and pro brewing. Homebrewers are always concerned that those pellets that they put in are just going to fall to the bottom and then never really get the the absorption and utilization that you're talking about.
1: That is pretty much exactly what happens. Okay. And so, one of the things, and obviously the the, the height of your tank matters. So, if you're just, you know, firing hops up using a hop can or something like that up to the top of the tanks and they're falling in, Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, a 20 meter tall tank, then by the time they hit the bottom, they're going to be a lot more um, soft and, and, and broken up than if you. Uh, dump them into a carboy. Okay. Um, Now, that said, carboys and buckets, homebrews have a real advantage is that the surface area to volume ratio in a carboy or a bucket on the bottom layer there is large enough that you're actually going to have a pretty good exchange of... uh, uh, of, of, will contact with um, with the hops and getting, getting a pretty good absorption of, of material into the liquid.
0: Even as they just fall to the bottom? Even
1: as they just fall to the bottom. Okay. Um, because there's, I mean, it's, a, it's a massive surface area relative yeah. to a small volume. That's good to um, know. Whereas when you're in a taller c- c- cylinder conical tank, you're, that surface area relative to the volume of liquid is very small. Okay. Um, so <clears throat> um, I personally advocate uh, something I call dynamic dry hopping. Um, which is basically either you can bump browse it with CO two and the probe know what I'm talking about, um, or you can recirculate it. Um, and so you can you can set up some recirculations, and I'll, I'll put some diagrams up on the, uh, in the show notes for for everybody to to have a look at. Um, but Homebrewers can get around with this with uh, the very complicated mechanism of a sanitized spoon, um, and just make sure you're doing it under under inert gas. So there's no oxygen going to going to affect it because oxygen and dry hopping is just going to destroy the character. Okay, Um, but. once those pellets are, are, are broken up and then mixed in the solution, um, you know, you just got to mix them a couple times and you're going to get pretty good results. And uh, like on a probing scale, if you're recirculating your tank, um, my target was always uh, four tank volumes per hour. And uh, you'd get, uh, you know, about six to eight hours and you'd get full extraction.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: So it really it shortens your dry hopping time from like seven days to like, you know, overnight. Wow. Okay. So All yeah, right. we did it for 12 hours just because of shift patterns. But, you know.
0: Okay. So another form of pellet hops that you mentioned mm-hmm. are, are cryo hops, which, uh, as I understand, are specific to Yakima Chief hops. Yep. Um, and in the, in the T90, as you mentioned, we're actually keeping 90% of the vegetal matter. It's actually leafy. a little bit more than that, but yeah. Even a little more. Okay. Um, but cryo hops reduce that leafy matter.
1: Yeah. So it, um, um, I like to talk about cryo hops and um, American noble, noble hops in terms of T90 equivalents. Okay. Okay. So cryo hops are uh, effectively a double concentration of of the hop matter of the, of the lupulin um, uh, from T90s. So if you look at a uh, say so let's let's just pick a, a, a hop that has an alpha acid of seven and an oil of uh, one point seven. Mm-hmm. Well, the way, uh, because of the uh, just the, the anatomy of the lupulin glands and whatnot, uh, you end up with about a 1.8 times concentration of alpha acids and about a 2.2-fold 2. 2 concentration of oils. Okay. So, because the oils are mostly in the lupulin glands and the alpha is mostly in the lupine glands, but there's still some that's going to be smeared on the leaf uh, from the baling process and from handling. Okay. Um, so, in essence,
0: we would use less cryo hops for the same effect.
1: Correct. So, cryo hops, um, we, we, we built this whole process just to um, Really preserve the aromatics and, and and the expressive character of the hops for dry hopping because okay. you know when people are, are dry hopping at you know four five six pounds per barrel of t nineties that's a hell of a lot of loss yeah and also with the contact times and even just I mean because you have got quantity you've got an increase in quantity and and your contact time is you know probably going to be stay, stay the same or your temperature is going to stay the same whatever or whatever um, you're going to end up with a greater extraction of vegetal flavors okay so um, some of the uh, harsh poly. Phenols um, that might be like sort of that throat recipe character you get, which sometimes is desirable, mm-hmm. um, or um, some of the more uh, sort of cabbagey vegetal notes from from excessive contact time. And um, we're going to get into some of these off flavors uh, in a future episode. Okay. Um, All right. But um, the cryo hops basically is so if you're if you're below about two pounds per barrel or eight grams per liter or ten grams per liter, sorry, um, you can get away with just taking your t ninety hop charge. And subbing fifty percent or you're using fifty percent of that weight uh, as cryo, so if you're using uh, i don't know uh, you know like a hundred pounds in a tank. You can just get away with fifty pounds of cryo. I see. When you're getting into the bigger beers, like uh, IPAs uh, or some bigger IPAs um, or double IPAs, like the really heavily dry hop stuff, yeah, um, you can. You're going to want to probably supplement with some uh, some T90s or some uh, American Noble to just to provide that polyphenol kick, because at a, at a higher level, you actually want a little bit of that 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 throat raspiness, um, because it, it, it's associated with the punchiness of the, of these big beers. I see. Um, you start to notice a difference. I mean, so, so cryo hops are uh, a lot cleaner um, and they're a lot more clear than um, than traditional 290 hopped beers. So they're, they're pretty sweet. I mean, I, I love them. Um, and they've been pretty popular. Um, technology and hops. I love technology. it. Technology. <laughs> we have the technology. Um, okay. So then
0: in the production of cryo hops, and, and now that I understand how they're produced, it makes sense that there's a, a co-product. Uh, there's something mm-hmm. left behind, which it sounded like for a while you guys were, were leaving that behind, but now it's its own thing, which are American noble hops. Right. Uh, Why would somebody want to use these?
1: Okay. So this is this is actually pretty important. So this we're going to get into a little bit of hop chemistry here. So um well there's there there's this a paper produced back in the 70s uh, the, uh, uh that basically demonstrated uh, that um a lot of the traditional noble character for hops actually was resident in the uh the plant material like the the leaf basically okay. or so I mean so like the bract um but people kind of ignored it because you know why would you separate hops you know um but um we had people People demonstrated some interest in it, and uh, so we looked into it. And after uh, a lot of sensory and a lot of GCMS uh, investigation, we found that actually there was a lot of brewing value to these. Um, in particular, um, they have the alpha acid levels and the oil levels of a lot of the traditional um, European noble varieties. I see. Um, and so I don't like to offer up a single American noble product as a one-for-one alternative or replacement for any specific variety um but certain lots of of certain varieties have demonstrated exactly the same character so for example there was there was a lot of cascade that was like bang on german size wow um, but you know we we look at uh, some other things and so we, we actually use these to 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 and we, we layer them in different levels uh, in beer to uh provide the character that we want. So certain hops will have a higher ratio of farnesine to carry or, um, some of the mercine levels will be different and all that stuff. Um, but it's at a, it's at a, the total oil will be very, very low. Okay. Um, so like 0.3% instead of, you know, one and a half percent. Um, and so what that does is it provides you, um, access to a little bit of varietal characteristic, um, but more of the traditional noble character. Um, but they are low oil and they are low alpha acid. So um, you know, I just don't recommend bittering with these um, unless we've made a blend for you uh, on that. But um, because you know, you're gonna we made a we made a single hop or a single like or I guess a uh, an American Noble beer to try to really demonstrate that they're they were they were valuable and we could use them. And we uh, decided to dry hop it as well because you know hop heads and also we had them. Um, and and what was the style of beer? It was a um, hoppy blondish beer basically um and uh it worked but we ended up using like 18 pounds per barrel i see in order to get enough intensity of the flavor so these are really subtle um and uh the 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 fun thing is is that um as we've done some investigations we have found that the the compounds that are responsible for the noble character so that um earthy grassy um sort of herbal and, uh, slightly floral, like the green floral, like from like, like the, the you know, the, 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 nice crisp sort of like summertime smells, yeah. um, are the oxygenated species of, uh, some of the terpenes and, um, what these provide. And, we'll, and these are the ones, these are the flavors that will, will, will persist in beer. So use them hot side. Um, and, uh, it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, so they're, they're actually, they, they are they make great lagers. I mean, they make spectacular pilsners. We had a we just had a, an event out in Asia, and a a, a brewing partner made a uh, a pilsner with one of our blends, our Pacific Crest blend, mm-hmm. and it just tasted exactly like a you know northern German pilsner. That's it was, so it was interesting. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, so I mean the, the the guys who were working on those blends they they nailed it um, and it was it was I mean like we had all the German guys from Alpha from uh, Kieselmann from KHS over at our booth drinking the beers like oh yeah it's just a good pizza. <laughs> it, wow. it was it was quite a compliment so
0: so I'm I'm just trying to find a scenario that that I would want to use these um, as opposed to using uh, a traditional uh, noble hop are, are they more affordable because uh, I think you said like hey you know if you're really going for something that's completely traditional you know, we're not maybe don't sub out a traditional noble hop. Um, but is, is it more affordable if I'm looking for those subtle notes or is it is it not just that it's just that I'm looking for more subtlety than like a strong uh, German pills? Yes, a little of both. Okay. It's, a, it's a little bit of both. Okay. Um,
1: uh, I, I think pricing is something that is is out of my purview, um, but uh, they are more affordable. We do recognize that they are a co-product, um, but they are um, we only and we only really release. Um, you know, our, our stretch goal is only ever to release up to twenty percent of our bract as American Noble. I see because we're, we're focused on really making sure that people get the absolute best um, that they can. Yeah, and. Um, uh, the, uh, the other thing is that they're, they're, they're concentra- the polyphenol content of the, of the, of the noble is, is concentrated about five fold over the 90s. So you, you, they have great head forming, um, or head retention, uh, uh, Presentation, uh, but if you dry hop with them, they will create a haze. Um, so it's it's kind of funny. Is hey, it,
0: that's what everybody wants right now. Well,
1: exactly. You can actually get a stable <laughs> haze. Hey, guys, you don't have to leave all their yeast in suspension. Stable haze. Um, what a concept. Yeah, I mean, it, and it works pretty well. Um, but uh, that's a great use. It, it is a great use. And the other thing is that, perversely, on the hot side, it provides so many polyphenols it'll bind to the protein in the wort, and you end up with clearer wort going into the fermenter. So it actually the same compounds. Act completely differently at different stages. Which Hot is, side or cold side. It's just a fun little geekery thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun product um, and it works well. Um, it's not the answer to everything at all, yeah. um, but if you want to make some uh, some some you know some pills or some traditional noble style stuff, it's a it's a really good it's a really good alternative. Okay, um, and it's going to be there's there's always going to be a sustainable stable source of them, so they're not going to they're not they're not shipped over from all over the world. Oh, that's a good point too. Um, but they're um yeah they're i mean they're i like them i, I mean, want to
0: smell them bring bring some next time you're in the studio uh,
1: i will send you guys some samples and we we'll, we'll, we'll do some we'll do some sorting i think i actually kind of want to arrange some uh some live sensory at some point if we can we should um okay but uh yeah there was one other thing i was going to say about them but it's gone it'll come back to you
0: next show i'm sure oh yeah all right let's jump into uh co2 hop extract and and this one now is is an even newer format than palletizing, right
1: yeah well i mean it's 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 been around for quite a while um it's uh, the supercritical CO two extract. So actually, um, this is something that we need to clarify. Is that uh, I had this question earlier, uh, not I mean uh, when I was over in Asia recently. Um, is that so? CO two extracts, or sorry, extracts used to be made with um, certain solvents, um, and uh, they worked. You can make you can make solvents out of them, or you can make extract using solvents, but. Um, it's harder to make sure that the, the extract is, is, is free of impurities afterwards. Okay. Um, and so you really kind of don't want to do that anymore. CO2 is completely inert and doesn't leave any negative flavors or impacts or anything like that. And you can, you can process the stuff and you can get uh, actually probably even better yields using the, using the CO2 extract. Okay. Um, it's
0: what we use to purge all the beer anyway in, in every step of the process. Exactly. to Okay.
1: And it's recoverable. Uh, rather ah. than having to go through a rinsing step and a cleaning step, okay, you, the CO two is just basically recondensed and reused. It's, 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 it's a lot more sustainable as well.
0: Okay, so uh, then we end up with these uh, uh, condensed uh, extracts with, mm-hmm. with all the uh, uh, the resins and the oils. Yeah. Okay, and and why would I want to use this over uh, my my normal Magnum bittering hops, for example?
1: Well, um, so when you're dealing with vast quantities of beer, um, you know, talking about the uh, you know twenty thousand hectoliter and you know. Like I mean, that's like what seventeen thousand five hundred barrel s- brews. Yeah, um, efficiency becomes a major concern, and so um, there's no absorption from the of the extract of, of wort, so you're not going to lose any liquid. Okay. Um, also, you get higher utilization out of it, so you're actually getting more efficient extraction of the uh, the isoaliph acids mm-hmm. um, into the into the wort, um, and it will give you clearer beer because it doesn't have all that plant matter with it. Got it. So they're 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 great, but you can only use them hot side.
0: Okay. You um, don't use them as a dry hop, cold side. Uh, they
1: won't dissolve. I, I have had people ask to, like, hey, your CO2 extract isn't dissolving in my cider. Um, huh. So
0: that surprises <laughs> me because I would think they're already in a format to dissolve, but you're saying they still need a heat uh, to, yeah. source to isomerize.
1: I mean, it, they, they have to be isomerized. I mean, you you, you can get a pre-isomerized kettle extract. Okay. Um, but um, most aren't. Um, and the, um, the, I mean, they're they're really thick. They're 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 like um, you know, if you put honey in the fridge, and you get that sort of like it turns a little bit white and almost solidifies. Mm-hmm. You can sort of pour it, but it doesn't move anywhere. That's about the, the consistency of them. It's real, real thick. Okay. Um, so accordingly, um, you have to dose it in to to your your hot side, um, either by heating it up and pumping it out of a barrel if you're if you're a really big brewery, or um, one of the methods that I really like is uh, just poking holes in the tin and uh, using some carabiners and some chains and hanging them in the whirlpool or in, in the boil kettle. I see um, uh, because. Is it dissolves slowly as as the wort moves around it and through it, uh, the the extra sugar dissolve a little bit slower and and disperse evenly into the uh, into the beer. Okay. Whereas if you just pour it all in, um, frequently what you'll see is it, it'll it'll go straight to the bottom and hit the hit the, the heat jackets and that that can cause a problem. Or a lot of the the oil character will spread it across the top and then coat the walls of your of your of your kettle. Wow. Um. So. Um, the life cycle
0: of this one has been fascinating to me, for, for lack of a better better term. But in the years that I've been doing the show, um, when we first started discussing the format of hop extract, and I'm guessing this is probably when solvents were used to make it, um, You know, it wasn't that they were shunned per se, but uh, a lot of people weren't using them, and a lot of people had, uh, I don't know, uh, they just kind of refrained from it or had uh, just doubts about using it. And nowadays, uh, I know of, and I'm not going to name names because I'd I'd rather just get permission to do that, um, but some of the world's... Favorite hoppy breweries, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, making some of the most famous uh, IPAs, double IPAs, uh, had had started using extract like this years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, really for the same reason that you're talking about, because they just thought, well, uh, look, I'm really just bittering anyway, uh, and 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 I need that in my double IPA. But then I need to get all of the aroma and flavor later on. So why mm-hmm. why put more uh, matter in the in the kettle if I don't have to? Why
1: more beautiful beer,
0: yeah. And I really saw this shift as I was interviewing people, um, and sometimes it would happen off the air too, uh, where they would go, "Oh man, just put some extract in there; it's a piece of cake." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
1: so. mean, it's, it's it's a solution, and it's a really good one. And the thing is, it it it, it provides a very clean bittering and a very clean flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, for me, it's it's always been a no-brainer. Um, but then again, I'm kind of a geek, and I I I, uh, I think that I am. I won't say averse to tradition, um, but probably more fair to say uh, allergic. For tradition for tradition's sake. <laughs> yeah. I'm all about modernization and efficiency and stuff. Um, and it's um, the thing is, it's a pure hop product. Right. I mean, there's there's nothing else in it, and it's it's uh, it's it's spectacularly good.
0: And I like your description there, where to stick to tradition for tradition's sake, mm-hmm. as opposed to to actual reasons. You know mm-hmm. uh, that, that some some breweries might have some actual reasons they really believe in for using whole leaf hops, and above anything else.
1: And you know, I got to say, there actually is a very important character from. Um, leaf matter on the hot side like okay. those polyphenols and, and 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 some of those compounds that will persist like i mentioned earlier the uh the Vic secret uh situation with bittering um those compounds are in the leaf matter and they will contribute character to the beer that you can't get otherwise got it
0: and this is what I like about discussing the different formats because there is no one, uh, you know, tell-all solution, right? Cure-all no, solution, not at rather. all. Um, all right, so let's get into one that I, the, I'm a little confused because now you also mentioned advanced products and mm-hmm. oils, but I'm feeling like we just talked about extract too. So what's the difference here?
1: So when you take your 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 CO2 extract, you can then treat it further. Um, and you can uh, purify it a little bit more. Okay. Um, so, so just as a, as an example, um, CO two extract in its in its pure form is typically about fifty fifty percent alpha acid. So it's really really high up there. Um, it'll have a, con- a concomitant concentration of oil unless it's been has the oil removed, which there are people that do that, and uh, th- there are reasons for that. All right. So there's no more flavor other than just bitterness. Um, the advanced products are have been. Um, Catalytically modified uh, through through a variety of different processes um, to change the uh, isovaleric acids into a form that is not going to get uh, affected by light.
0: I see. This is the main reason for these advanced products is light.
1: It's light stability. Okay. And um, a, a concomitant effect of that is—I've used that word too many times—but a nice attendant effect, yay, nerds, yeah. <laughs> um, is that uh, they provide they promote foam stability, okay, uh, which is really cool. Um, and uh, the, these these catalyzed advanced products, are, were, 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 were made for light stability. Okay. Um, so
0: for those, I, I know most of our listeners are, are beer geeks and brewers and advanced beer people, but for those of you traveling in an automobile right now, listening to this podcast with your significant other who could care less about beer, but in their life has tasted skunky beer, mm-hmm. this is a product of uh, hops reacting, hop compounds reacting to light. Yes. Uh, So at some point, some genius uh, was like, well, uh, because uh, brewers still want to use clear bottles. Or green uh, bottles. Or green bottles for for marketing purposes or or for tradition. uh, Or
1: for you know, as Corporate Alex says, it fits better with the colored logo.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> By the way, to me, I'm kind of a marketing guy. All those are valid reasons to me. Uh, so some genius was like, well, what if we just remove the thing that does that? And so now those brewers are are able to use the, these types of things to still have uh, bittering qualities. Correct. Um, and the, remove skunk.
1: Well, you're not removing it. You're changing the shape of the molecule so that it doesn't Produce. You're removing the potential to produce skunk. Correct. Okay. Um, and the other nice thing about these is that they can be dosed after clarification and filtration. So once you've got all your beer in your bright tank, you know theoretically you wouldn't even have to add any. I, I would always recommend adding some. But theoretically you could make a beer where you just basically did a mash, boiled it, fermented it, and then bittered it after clarification,
0: really, so uh, you had said about the c o two hop extract y- you only
1: use that on the hot side,, mm-hmm.
0: but the advanced uh, oils you could use on the cold side in just this scenario
1: that is what they 're built for now, I get it, okay, yeah, so they they're, they're like hyper efficient for bittering, but again it 's only bittering, okay, so, so you're like, not
0: adding it 's not like you're adding dry hop character and not and at all by yeah. dropping this stuff in. Okay.
1: Correct. You so you're you're getting only the bittering character. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they will they will enhance mouthfeel a little bit too, which is which is another plus. Um, but they're I mean they're nifty products. It's it's for, for for science geek. I'm like this is this is cool. Right. Um, and <laughs> also, you know, I've played around with them before um, on some beers that are were challenging because of. Just the process and the recipe and and, and whatnot. Um, like we were, we had the opportunity to to um, overfill our fermenters because the fermentation wasn't particularly vigorous on this beer. So I could get an additional ten to fifteen percent yield by using advanced products, which okay. is huge if you're if you're if you're brewing on a large scale. On that scale, yeah, um, thousands of dollars, uh, tens of thousands, uh, probably hundreds of thousands. Really? To be honest with you, wow. Um, I mean, at that scale. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, the the first time I did it, I forgot to carry the one um, and added about 10 times as much as I needed to. Um, and boy, did it have stable foam. Um, and uh, our, our taproom manager was like, what the heck did you do to this beer? I can't uh, pour it at all. Oh really? It was just coming out. It was like it was like, you know, the you know the, the little little fireworks you used to light as a kid that had like the, the black growth, the, snake. worm, the snakes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was like that just foam. Oh my gosh. It was it was pretty I mean you I I, I didn't try to balance a penny on it because I was I figured it would it would fall through, but it was pretty funny. So oh, wow. Use them at the appropriate dosage level.
0: <laughs> now, and and if I took
1: just a drop
0: of either this or the co2 hop extract and dropped it on my tongue <laughs> what what's going to occur
1: um i'm gonna point at you and laugh <laughs> <laughs> um but I will, I will i will bring some in so we can do that if we if we can get some uh, some uh Ooh, that's a good beer Olympics challenge. I mean, that's a good beer Olympics challenge. Oh, that's true. Now, okay, so obviously
0: it's going to be incredibly bitter. How long is it going to last?
1: Oh, so the, um, you're, oh, boy, um... <laughs> Yeah, so the isomerized stuff is going to be so bitter you might even vomit. Really? Is It'll it'll trigger that that level of reaction. Oh so bitter. It's pure iso- It's pure isomerized alpha acids.
0: Okay, I'll bring in a, an intern to do that.
1: Yeah. Well, um, but the the extract. This is a common hazing ritual in breweries. Is like, hey, new kid, doesn't right. this smell good? Taste this, and it's and this is unisomerized, and it's still bitter as I'll get out oh, I mean and it, it will and the thing is it, like um, you know we were at CBC and people were you know we had a couple of tins of uh of citra and simico pure citra and pure simico extract on there and so people are like oh my god that smells amazing on the hot plates and uh, we see this one dude he's like can I taste it I'm like you really don't want to do that you really don't want to do that dude he's like no no it smells amazing I, I really get I want it, I want to see what concentrated citra tastes like do it so it's 56 uh, percent alpha acid and it's not not as summarized yet although uh, yeah, it wasn't a summarize yet. So the guy dips his finger into it, and I was like, you're going to want about a tenth of that. He's like, no, 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 this is fine. Oh, my god! Sucks it on. Dude came back about six hours later saying, I can still taste it. Wow. And smell it. Um, and it's, <laughs> it is incredibly intense. Yeah. But it's, you know. Got it. A little bit unpleasant.
0: Okay. All right. All right. And we've still got time to cover uh, one of the ones that I think is really fun, the format, which is blends. Uh, yeah. And it's a blend of different hops, different varieties. Yep. Into one
1: pellet. Yep. Okay. Um, and we could conceivably do that with with extracts or with um, you know cryo hops and like that too. Oh sure. Okay. But the idea is there's there's two things. One, um, the, the cause based blends like we mentioned earlier, uh, like with Pink Boots and, and a couple other 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 groups, um, is uh, giving people the opportunity to create a hop blend that uh, creates an expression that they want to have, and then those uh, those blends then go to a charity, you know, or, or a nonprofit. Um, yeah. so, um, uh, some popular ones that exist out there are Ales for ALS, mm-hmm. uh, which is, goes to, uh, lateral sclerosis. I believe how so you pronounce it. I forget. Yeah. Anyway, uh, horrible disease, but, yes. um, the, uh, profits from that go to, you know, research Excellent. And, and it's wonderful. Um,
0: Yeah, one of our local breweries does a big event here. I think this year it's happening in May in Ales for ALS Festival.
1: Yep, that's about Uh, when it comes out.
0: I think. Yeah, they're doing it out at Faction uh, in in Oakland there, and uh, yeah, great way to support. So, okay, so you'll create a blend for something like this. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, and and, well, no, actually, we don't like to create a blend. Um, We like to have invite people for uh, them to do it yeah so so the pink boots blend we get a, a bunch of um of you know representative women brewers and people in the industry to come over and, and help make that blend um we've had other things like there's a i think the veterans blend has already gone out or is about to go out um and uh they you know we had a bunch of uh brewers who were who were you know veterans or affiliated with veterans uh come in and and, and do the selection mm-hmm. and uh, i can tell you they selected a banger so keep right. an eye out for your veteran blends it's a it's heavy on the equinox, uh, yeah, and it's got some. Ju- it's got some just great potential. Um, anyway, love it. Um,
0: so, if or when I reach my untimely death, which hopefully <laughs> happens on the air, I've always hoped for that. I feel like it'll be a good on-air moment for our for our listeners. Can I task you to? Can I have a blend after my after my passing?
1: Um, I An honorary. Th- think that we could probably arrange that. I've
0: had some influence in the brewing world. I feel like
1: you know. I was going to try to suggest you for a medal, but um, maybe like a plaque over your and a, a hot blend would be better <laughs> yeah that,
0: perfect I'll take that okay
1: uh, yeah we can could, we could talk about this. I um, like this um and the other thing is is with the blends is it's uh you know not just mockery of friends or um or, or, or you or know charity, char- charity yeah. cases you know because they're, they're in the same category I guess I agree uh, my brain is weird they can um, be. they can be true um yes we could have a uh you know memorial comedian blend um, exactly but also, um, you know, it's trying to highlight s- uh, particular characteristics. So there are some blends that are available
0: year round if you're if you're doing this.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, so, I mean, these these blends are available until they sell out. Um, but just as an example, last year, our pink boots sold out pretty much immediately. Nice. Um, and so this year, we're hoping to make a little bit more, We're going to ha- make a little bit more of it. So hopefully people will be able to access it a little bit more. Um, but um, blends that are available. Uh, well, I mean, we make them like once a year. So because I mean, we try to get all of our hops processed as soon as possible. Because mm-hmm. the the longer they sit, waiting processing, uh, the the worse the 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 degradation can be. Okay. Um, so, and I, when I'm saying worse, I mean like we're really anal about this. Okay. So it's they're not really degrading. They're just like. To not buy as, your not high as standards, not as awesome as they could have been. I see. Um, so we're, we 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 try to get everything done like in the first half of the year. Okay. Um, oh, sorry, of our you know after harvest, it's like we try to get everything processed asap. Got it. Um, except for extracts, that doesn't matter so much because that's that's we're going after the alphas primarily. Um, but um, so we would uh, assemble blends based on you know certain characters and a blend of different hops to to, to really showcase. Um, a specific character. So, like, zythos is just wonderfully citrusy, very orangey, very orange... Very, you know Orange Tang? Oh, yeah. yeah that, 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 very, very prominent note there. Okay. So um, I'll have to look at the oil profile, but I think it's probably got a lot of Nerol in there, which is going to be really nice. Okay. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's some other stuff that's in the works that I can't totally talk about, but um, there's some other stuff that's going to be coming forward that I think people will be really excited about. And okay. It's, and it's really mostly to not just give brewers uh, a, a wider palette of, of paint or, 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 or ingredients to play with, but also to really showcase certain aspects of, of this wonderful plant.
0: Got it. Well, I'm sure we'll hear about them maybe even first here on the Hop and Brew School podcast when you come out with these things.
1: I will happily do
0: that. All right. As I like to do for my feeble brain, let's wrap this up a little bit with just a few points. So uh, when we're looking at hot formats and what to use, uh, I guess the first thing we're looking at is their intended use right? as
1: always um, so again you know you got you, you want to make the beer you want to make um, and different formats are the way I like to say it is that um, you know as as hop processors we're trying to provide fine control through fractionation right so looking at all of the different ways that hops can be expressed mm-hmm. and, and can be used or um, we're trying to give you as many options to tweak your recipes and make the best beer you possibly can okay and so um Intended use wise uh, some of these formats are all beautiful. They can all be beautiful, but they're not all created equal right so cryo hops um, And American noble are at opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what they offer Okay, you know, one's super intense and juicy and the other one is very subtle and more you know, woody earthy noble grassy um, uh, And herbal I think they said twice anyway um, but then uh, you know, you look at uh, CO2 hop extract, and that has a, a much more narrow range of application, mm-hmm. just, just in one part of the process.
0: And of course, efficiency is kind of key. And here. efficiency
1: is huge. Yeah. Um, and so, if, for example, you're making a beer and your target is like 120 IBUs. I highly encourage you not to use... I probably shouldn't say this. Um, <laughs> I highly encourage you to use extract for your bittering charge and then get your flavor from from, from either Cryo or yeah. Leaf Hops or something else. How about we
0: say this? If efficiency is important to you, you would recommend that you don't use whole Leaf Hops for that type of bitterness.
1: Correct. Okay. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I would say is that, in general, because I like drinking nice beers, right. um, the cleanliness of the flavor that you get from a CO2 extract is going to be much better than necessarily a, uh, the, the, the complexity that you might get from all of that vegetable matter in your hot side. OK. So um, you should have some vegetable matter in your hot side just for complexity. Um, and uh, the ratio depends totally up to you. And also, it depends very much on your finishing gravity and your starting gravity of your beer, because okay. the alcohol sweetness and all that stuff will play, it will, will play there. Um, but yeah, you just you really want to figure out what you're trying to get. And uh, again, the sort of the character that you're after is going to be determined mostly by it either being clean bittering or maximal expression of oil character. Got it. And depending on what format and where you use them, that's, that's how you make your decision.
0: Okay. Next, of course, and this is kind of across the board, and I think we've mentioned it in, in every episode's wrap up quality um you know whatever you're choosing it's it's got to be of a of a high standard and uh of course y c h uh, has their own standards, but every brewer has their own standards so Absolutely. Let's just, you know home brewers included um, so make sure you fit that in there um, and Absol- then, uh, and then we've mentioned efficiency already, so um Intended use, quality, efficiency. uh, I mean,
1: that covers pretty much everything in life.
0: Yeah, you're right. Go out and pick your format or your life path. I don't care. Or your significant other. Yeah. I'm still doing all of those things (laughs) as as we speak. (laughs) Hang on Match.com. I'm coming back to you in a moment. All right, let's wrap things up. If you've got questions about any of the things that we said today, uh, or if you just would like to make fun of corporate Alex, uh, you can email us at hop and brew school at the brewing network.com. We'll take your questions on these topics and more. You can also send us show ideas if there's anything in particular that you're looking to learn more about. Uh, Go check out Yakima Chief Hops at yakimachief.com. They've got all kinds of tools for you to use. Uh, You can look up the lot of the hops that you've bought or the one you want to buy. There's a whole lot else on there, too. Uh, you can also sign up to receive updates, because they, they are going to have an online marketplace coming very soon. So, you can sign up to get updates about that over at yakimachief.com. Check out thebrewingnetwork.com. We've got all kinds of shows on this network. Uh, my show, the original flagship that started it all, this session. We've got a show on sour beer called The Sour Hour. We've got a show on distilling called Heads and Tails. Uh, we've got a show on craft beer marketing called Shine Runner Craft Marketing. Um, i Brew oh. Strong. Yeah, we've got Brew, uh, we've got our classics. Uh, if you if you if you want to learn uh, even more about all things beer, we've got Brew Strong, uh, hosted by Jamel Zanishef and John Palmer. Um, and we've got a Spanish speaking podcast now. Uh, no, de veras. Yes, reaching out to the uh, Latin American world. Uh, that's called Entre Cervezas. You can find that. We've got a podcast about bicycles and beer. <laughs> so we got it all, man. Uh, check it out. After, awesome. After Later, Loopyloids. <laughs> all right. Find this show uh, and tell your friends where to find it over on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Uh, Our next episode, which I'm excited about. We're finally going to get into this whole thing. Uh, How to brew with hops. Yes! (laughs) Yeah, we've covered some of the technical side for you. Uh, Next time, now you've chosen your hops. What are you going to do now? So we'll be back with that one soon. Thanks so much for tuning into the Hop and Brew School podcast. We'll see you next time, Hopheads.